Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. TV brand, now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Octavius Murray spins away. And trying to get in the end zone, the ball is loose. It appears to be covered by Minnesota for a touchdown, and it is. Galvin Cook, big running room across midfield. Inside the 30 with a man to beat him. Dalvin Cook just tripped up inside the 10. You know, he's dynamic with the football in his hands, whether it's through a handoff, whether it's through a short pass, a long pass. Um, you know, he caught a slant against the Packers. So um, we're going to try to find ways to get in the football. And it could be a toss, it could be a handoff, it could be a draw, it could be a screen. Um, and then even third downs, you know, when he's out there on third down, uh, I think you, you could go back and watch the All-22, watch the tape, and see that he's probably a potential target there to get, move the chains and, and get a, get us a first down on third down as well. So that's something also we can go back and look at. Into the end zone, that is a touchdown for Adam Thielen. Second down and 14. Pocket collapses again on Stafford and he is going to pitch it. And the ball is on the ground. Minnesota scoops it up. And on his way into the end zone is Daniel Hunter. That is a touchdown. You know, it's probably 50-50. A lot of them was really good coverage. Uh, We got him to hold the ball uh, a few times, uh, which was was good. And then, uh, you know, there were some other times we just beat people. You know, the game uh, where Tom and Sheldon, that one was a good one. Donnell had a good one. He beat the guy quick. It always usually goes hand in hand. I think, uh, but we, we we made him pull the ball down a few times. And with that, the Minnesota Vikings go into their bye week, Manny Hill, with a 5-3-1 record. Percentage points behind the Chicago Bears in the NFC North. And the Vikings and Bears, by the way, will play uh, when the Vikings return from their bye now in what has been switched to earlier today, a Sunday night game. So they flexed the Vikings and Bears at Soldier Field a week from this coming Sunday. To Sunday night. I want to paint you this picture and and see if we agree about this because there have certainly been some bumps in the road for the Vikings in these first nine games and there's been some unexpected losses and there's been some uh, some wins that perhaps were the same. But if we had sat down before week one and said that the Vikings were going to be now now the one forget about because the one the tie is just weird. <laughs> but if I was to have said to you, okay, they're going to have a tie, it's going to be weird, but the Vikings are going to be after nine games going into their bye week, 5-3-1, and one. I think if I just told you that, 
you might have put some of the wins and losses in different places. Mm-hmm. But you beat San Francisco, which is a game that you thought going into this year that would be a tougher game, but you thought that they would win that game. You beat Philadelphia in Philly, which I said would probably be a loss. Yep. You took care of Arizona, the Jets, and Detroit, which you should have. Mm-hmm. The weird loss is Buffalo. Uh, the Rams and the Saints' losses are certainly not shocking. So I would I would say if you remove what we know about the fact that this year has been a bit odd, and certainly through four weeks in the Rams game, the defense did not play well. Five three and one is not bad shape. And keep in mind too, you have a bye on Sunday, and then you come out of that bye now with back to back Sunday night games in the division against the Bears and Green Bay. This sets up if you're the Vikings or a Viking fan. I think pretty well. And I think the buy is happening at probably the best possible time you could ask it to happen because you've got some guys that are banged up. You know, you got Dalvin Cook back yesterday, which was good, and he he popped off a nice run, which shows that, you know, that hamstring is probably doing okay. But now, you know, now that you got him back into the fold, now you can give him give him that extra week now to make sure that hamstring is can get all the way back to 100% perhaps, so that could be good for you. Like I said before, you got some guys that are banged up, so now you can go. I think this buy Judd is happening at probably the the best possible time it could happen. The late buy is always a great thing. Yeah, there is nothing that a team hates more than what a week four or five buy. Mm-hmm. You don't need it. You right. don't need it, and then you come back and have an extended stretch of games in which guys get hurt and there are problems. The National Football League did the did the Vikings a tremendous favor. This buy absolutely positively falls at the best time. And I give the Vikings credit for this as well. Despite the fact that the Saints loss is somewhat disappointing and and was in some cases self-inflicted, we went into this four-game stretch of what? The Cardinals at home, the Jets on the road, and then back-to-back home games against the Saints and Lions. And I think all of us agreed, win three of four. Mm-hmm. If you beat the Saints, that's fantastic. Because that's a bit of a statement. But if you don't take care of, and, and to go back to Buffalo, they didn't take care of that game. Right. But if you beat Arizona, if you go on the road and play the Jets and beat them and beat Detroit, you're in good shape. And now I would say this coming out of the bye. I think for the I think for the sake of your of your sanity, you need to win at Chicago. And you probably need to beat Green Bay here. And I say that because in the next four-game stretch, if I'm not mistaken, the back two ends of that Mm -hmm. are at New England and Mm -hmm. at Seattle. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And and Seattle's a team that I thought when the season started was absolutely terrible. But they're improving. And they are tough at home. And I think it would be ridiculous to say that there should be any confidence that the Vikings are going to go and play the Patriots in Foxborough and win. So I think if you want to put yourself in a decent position in, in these next four, give me at least two of them. And, and of course, you much prefer the division games. Chicago has been a tough place for the Vikings for a very long time. But if you can go to Chicago and win in Soldier Field and come back here and beat the Packers, division-wise, you put yourself in excellent shape. You do. And and I and with the Bears game, just just go in there and win. Like I don't care. I mean, you and I both know what it is like when that team has to go into Soldier Field and play the Bears. Even when the Bears are awful, that game is, it always gives you headaches. So, I don't care how you look in that game, just go in there and get a win. Just get the hell out of Soldier Field with a win. I don't care if it's... That's this league, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't care if it's 10-8. to 8. 
Yeah, of course not. Just, no. just, just go get, just go get the win. Get out of Soldier Field. I mean, that's yeah. But that, I will say this though about this team. I think that the last handful of games now, I think we're starting to see. I mean, you know, we can analyze Cousins and talk about it. he needs to do this better and all that, and all that stuff is still true. But I think what we're seeing now is the identity of this team. What what this team has hung their hat on for the last four and a half years since Mike Zimmer's been the coach, the defense mm-hmm. is playing a lot better than what it was at the start of the year. And I think that is the most important thing right now. Statistical evidence to support the very point that you just brought up. Through the first four games, which included the 38-31 loss to the Rams, which was wildly entertaining, but had nothing to do with anything a Vikings fan or coach should want to see. Because the game was fun, but a shootout against the Rams in in Los Angeles, you're absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Through the first four games, the Vikings were giving up at that time an average of 27.5 points per game and 381.5 yards per game. That's bad. And that oh that's awful and yeah. that is and that is what had started in the second half of the Saints playoff game. Mm-hmm. The Saints, the Vikings were in great shape going into the third quarter of that playoff game and then starting with the third quarter of that game and going through the Philadelphia game and then the four regular season games after statistically they were bad. In the past four games, the Vikings have given up 59 points defensively. Or an average of 14.8. And yesterday, yesterday, I'm with you. If you were to get Zim full of wine and say, okay, Mike, give me your blueprint for a perfect Sunday. (laughs) So let's, let's, let's disperse with your quarterback plays really well. And, and your offense looks, you know, looks sexy and looks good. Let's get rid of all that BS and let's, you give me the, the Zim plan for what looks perfect on a Sunday. 10 sacks yesterday Mm -hmm. and an offense that, could have frustrated you a little bit because they could have daggered Detroit and they didn't. The defense actually did. But I still think he would say, that's my ideal game. Yeah. That's my, I'd take away, maybe take away the Cousins pick. Mm-hmm. But if you take that out, I think that what we saw yesterday, which was Daniel Hunter with what, three and a half sacks, a touchdown, absolutely fabulous. Griffin being back for real and starting and being his dominant self. That defensive um, template that we saw on Sunday is what this guy wants. I got a bit of a hot take that we could get into with with Phil in the next hour in regards to Daniel Hunter. It's not a scolding hot take, but it's a it's a bit of a hot take considering that uh, he's playing pretty well right now. But yeah, I mean this is this is what this is what we were looking for at the start of the year. Now. Someone could look at this and say, well, you know, you had two rookie quarterbacks and then, you know, you did Detroit's kind of a mess yesterday, so it was easy for the defense. But that's the defense has done what they were supposed to do in the last month or so is play better and stop the teams that you were supposed to stop. Now, New Orleans, New Orleans got put in a pretty good situation a couple of times in that game, which allowed them to get points and get on the board because, Most of, because yeah. of turnovers by the offense. Absolutely, the offense. So you can't even really. It's it's hard to really find fault with the defense in that game. But yeah, I mean, this is this is the identity of the team. This is if they are going to go on a run, and I've said this several times. If they are going to go on a run to the Super Bowl, which I think is still possible despite the flaws, that it's going to have to be the defense is going to have to play well, and your quarterback is going to have to be pretty good and flawless, which he wasn't flawless yesterday. Your but. offense simply can't make catastrophic mistakes. Right. It's just that simple. The the yeah. the This offense, if it's running correctly, because this defense can win you games, this 
offense, starting with the quarterback, but this includes everybody, so we're not just picking on Kirk Cousins here, cannot make mistakes. They the, don't the have they, they don't have to be dynamic. That's the thing about it. This this team's road to a Super Bowl is never going to be a 38-31 loss to the Rams. If they play the Rams in the playoffs and come away with a 38-31 defeat, don't feel good about it. Something's gone horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. This team's road to victory against a team like the Rams is to give up probably around 20 points to the Rams, have the offense play well enough to support the defense, and most importantly, and, and we saw this, as you just said, in the Saints game, not have any crucial mistakes that lose you the game. That's why I, I always go back to this offense cannot lose you a game because if it does, then it's it's just done. They're done. If they make it, dumb mistakes, if they have turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, those are the type of things you can't continually ask this defense to bail you out. What you can do is ask this defense to be great because when they're going well, they can be great. The formula is very simple, mm-hmm. and that's why I go back to if you get Zim full of wine, I think he could tell you that. The formula here is a very simple Defense plays fantastic, which they did on Sunday. Hunter is great. Griffin is great. The defense is dominant. The defense gets a rush. And now and now the question is going to become, can you do that if you have to play a team like the Saints or Rams? And uh, I'm not convinced you can't. I told Phil this two or three weeks back. I am not convinced in a one-game playoff that Mike Zimmer couldn't come up with a plan that would at least slow one of those teams enough for you to win that game. I do not think the Vikings are by any means dead here. Are they in the conversation right now with the Rams or Saints? I don't think so, but that doesn't mean that if they make the playoffs, they can't beat a team like that because Zimmer's a good enough defensive coach that I think he could scheme a game plan that could slow a guy like Goff. Breeze is tougher, but like Goff for sure for four quarters. And this is not baseball, basketball, or hockey. So when it comes to the playoffs in the NFL, all you have to do is put together a fantastic game plan one time. Yep. If, you, if you're going to beat the Rams, Mike Zimmer just has to put together a fantastic game plan one time. That's all he's got to do. Vikings, you don't have to do it four out of seven times like you do in other sports. Vikes are 5-3-1 and one going into the bye. What are your thoughts on this team as uh, as we enter the off week? 651-646-8255-651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd is the show. Phil will join at 4 o'clock. Right now, it's Judd and Manny from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check on your traffic. Just one crash to tell you about right now. That's on 169 northbound in St. Louis Park uh, between Cedar Lake Road and Frontage Road. And uh, that's about an extra five minutes if uh, you're in that area. Otherwise, everything else is moving around smoothly, Judd. Thank you, sir. TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't forget, Courtney Cronin covers the Vikings for ESPN.com. She will uh, join us at uh, just after 3.30. 651-646-8255. If you'd like to weigh in on the Vikings, Michael in uh, Minnetonka, we will get to your call in one second. But first, we've got to go here because it's just too much fun not to. Go, Pat, go! And you knew we were at that point, I think, early this year when... I think, I mean, Aaron got on to some of the young receivers or something like that, mm-hmm. and 
then they went into McCarthy, and then McCarthy said, well, maybe, you know, Aaron probably shouldn't be saying that or something like that. And then Aaron comes back and said, well, somebody's got to stand up and say something. Right. You can't you got to pipe down after your coach had come out and said that. So you right. you kind of feel like that's where we're And I think that's some of the problems. It's not that McCarthy's a bad coach. McCarthy needs to put Rodgers in his place, and he won't do that. Go, Pat, go! What really concerns me is Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's played well. You can look at his stats. I think he's got like 17 touchdowns to one interception. That's great, but he's not playing as well as he usually does. You know, you look at his quarterback rating right now. No, that's not a great stat, but it's in the 90s, and that's not where Aaron Rodgers statistically plays quarterback at, and we're not going to be successful if he plays that way. Go, Pat, go! Because Aaron Rodgers is your problem? Yeah, he's, he's a problem. Quarterback who's ascending straight to Canton, he's your Bench problem. Him. Bench him, Judge. He's your problem. Put him to Sean Kaiser. Release him. Do us all a favor. Yeah. Release him. Hey, Michael, what's going on? Hey, what's happening, Mackie and Judd? Not much. How Pleasure are you? Glad to be on your show. Good to have you. I always, I always love that Green Bay segment there. Oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> they are so spoiled and they don't know it. I know, right? Oh. But you know, as you guys were talking about the the situation with the Vikings, the, what comes to my mind is 2000. Yeah. Who was the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens at that time? Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. Yeah. It was Tony yeah. Banks at first, and then he got benched for Trent Dilfer. Exactly. Now, granted, I think that Cousins is a better quarterback than Dilfer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, our, our defense is not as good as the Ravens' defense was then, I don't believe. But defense wins championships. And so I'm looking for the Vikings to really come out there with all cylinders running, everybody healthy. I'm looking for a game where they just come out and dominate defensively, Cousins, all he has to do is manage the game like Trent Dilfer did and and play well throughout the playoffs like that and finally get over the Super Bowl hump. That's <laughs> what I'm looking for. And I have faith in Zimmer to get it done defensively, but the offense has to play what I would say flawless. And I believe that – and I cringe every time Treadwell touches the ball. You know. You're not the only one, <laughs> yeah, Mike. You're not alone in that one. <laughs> so uh, I believe in him. I, I have faith in him, but I just don't think that – He's the answer, and he always makes mistakes. But if we can play mistake-free offensive football, let the defense do what it's going to do, then I think our chances of really going far are great, and we can beat the likes of the Saints and the Rams. What do you think? Thanks, Michael. Uh, In fact, that segues perfectly into the 1500 ESPN Twitter poll of the day, the Mackie and Judd poll, which you can find at our Twitter account right now. With the Rams and Saints at the top of the National Football Conference, which location do you feel better about the Vikings heading to in the playoffs, Los Angeles or New Orleans? 90% right now, not surprisingly, saying the Coliseum in Los Angeles where the Vikings lost earlier this season. But it's not nearly as difficult as the Superdome to play in. I, If you give me a choice, just flat out home or road, Manny, I go Rams. Because mm-hmm. I think you've got... As good as the Rams have looked, and and they didn't lose their first game until uh, Sunday against the Saints at the Superdome, the Rams, I think you could scheme up and pretty much not stop but contain. Drew Brees scares me. Yeah. Drew Brees just scares me. And, and they beat him. They beat him last year, but that was here, and he didn't have a good first half. If you have to play him there, which odds are very good you will, 
If you, it's just such a hard place to play. It's a hard place to play. Yeah. He's so damn good. The noise impacts your offense. Here's the interesting thing, though, as uh, Michael talked about what the Vikings offense needs to do to be successful. I think the interesting thing, and the proper way to put it, is they do need to be pretty much error-free, mistake-free. They can't mm-hmm. screw up. But they don't need to be dynamic. Right. So, And th- this goes back to... I think the formula to win a playoff game against a team for the Vikings is you don't have to ask Kirk Cousins to be Superman. You don't have to ask anyone to be. You have to ask them to be very solid. You have to ask them to secure the football at every single turn. Mm-hmm. But there, but you get into trouble, I think, as an offense when you're attempting to be dynamic. The Vikings don't need you to be dynamic. They need you to be smart about your role. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that simple. It's the Belichick line, right? Do your job. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. But I. But when we get into the mistakes might be made, I think that goes back to yes, mistakes are made when you're asked to do too much. Perfect example: Cousins versus the Rams, Week Four. Right at the end of that game, he's desperately trying to make a play and fumbles. Mm-hmm. But it's because he was desperate. 38-31 game in which he played really, really well and felt as if the game was on him. I don't think it's realistic to ever ask if the if the Vikings are going to be as successful as they want to be. I don't think it's ever realistic to ask Cousins to win you the game. I think it's very realistic to ask him to be a part of the win and an important piece of it. Make a few plays here and there. Right. Yep. But, but you can't ask him. If you say to him, if you look uh, Kirk Cousins in the eye and say, this is on you, you're dead. Because he's not Brady, Breeze, or Rodgers. You can look at those those three quarterbacks. You can look at them. You can look at Aaron Rodgers and say, Aaron, go win a game for us. You can look at Tom Brady and say, Tom, go win a game for us. Drew, go win a game for us. You can't do that with Kirk Cousins. And that doesn't mean that he's bad. It just means that, look, I mean, he's that, that class of Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, that's an elite class. That's... On its that 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 group right there is on its own right now. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's nobody close to that right now. You've got some guys that are good, but just not quite up there. And I'll look at you know Michael the caller. He brought up the Baltimore Ravens of 2000. I brought this up with Phil on Ventline yesterday. What about the 2012 Ravens? Because if you look at that team, yeah. they were 10 and six. That's probably a better comparison. They they were 10 and six, and they didn't have a dynamic you know, run-up-the-scoreboard type of offense. They ran the ball. Joe Flacco didn't turn it over. And I'm looking at Joe Flacco's stats from that playoff year in 2012. 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. Correct. No mistakes. Correct. And the defense, and what that wasn't a great Ravens defense, but it was a good defense, and it was good enough. And Flacco's certainly not, um, he's not fantastic, he's not great, but he he is it's probably a better comp for the Vikings because I would consider him to be superior to Dilfer. So, yeah, I think that's fair. Now, another absolute key, though, to the success of this team lies with this guy, when he's healthy, at least. Galvin Cook, big running room across midfield. Inside the 30 with a man to beat, and Galvin Cook just tripped up inside the 10. You know, when you haven't played in six weeks and you haven't practiced all that much, I just think I think he'll continue to get better, see some of the some of the cuts a little bit better as as it gets going. Delvin's a pretty confident guy, um, but I do think, 
you know, him being able to go through there and coming in today and feeling great, uh, I think that that's all good for going forward. Dalvin Cook's presence on this offense, to me, cannot be understated and is absolutely enormous, Manny Hill. I think it's absolutely, and I've been mocked for this, but I think when you're talking about what makes things go, and in fact, you know what? I think the most important Dalvin Cook play that we saw on Sunday was not the 70-yard run. It was not the... It was not one play that stood out. It was the play, I want to say, in the second half when Dalvin Cook caught a ball, and I think it was on a screen pass, and he almost broke away, and he got tripped up at the last second, and he got a little bit of a gain, but not much, and he got up and he pounded the ground because he knew. Zimmer talked about that. But that's an yeah. element That's an element of this team's offense that isn't just sort of missing when Dalvin Cook's not playing. It's gone. You name me, somebody else, I don't think it's been... Murray wants, but you name me somebody else in this offense who's got the dynamic ability to take that play and get you a touchdown. And and when Dalvin Cook plays, that entire option is back in your playbook, and when he doesn't, I think it's out. I can't recall seeing it. Yeah. Now, I, you? I will say this in regards to Dalvin Cook, because I love him and he's fantastic, and, and he adds so much to this offense. I think he's got a little bit of a... Of a uh, Ball handling issue. Uh oh. And because we saw it in the 49ers game at the start of the year, he had a nice, he broke the nice run, and then somebody came from behind and punched the ball right out of his hands. And then yesterday, they did that little pitch play where Cousins pitched it back to him and he, and Dalvin mishandled it. Yeah, and I didn't. the Lions recovered it. Yeah. True. So he's fantastic. He's dynamic, but. We've 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 had dynamic running backs here in the past yeah, recently but, that but, had that issue. But that guy could just do one thing. The thing about Cook that intrigues me is is he is a multi talented, multifaceted back. So he's mm-hmm. not just a back. He can split out wide and catch Absolutely. passes. I just I think Dalvin Cook's presence on the field cha- changes and opens up your playbook. Sure. By a lot. Hey Lane, what's up? Thanks for holding on. Yeah, I, w- I was just uh, thinking that this Vikings team reminds me of those Giants teams that won the Super Bowl. Like, we got a good front four. We could put pressure with just four and take big plays away. But we got a more dynamic back. And, like, Cousins needs the protection, like Eli, to get the ball out because, you know, Cousins don't really step up too well. But I think we'll be all right. I, I think our defense is coming around like those Giants teams. Thanks, Lane. Appreciate the call. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Same, same sort of, and cousins, same sort of scenario. And yeah. we, we've certainly on this show in the past couple of weeks or so compared uh, Kirk to Manning on a few occasions. So that's probably accurate. When when Eli was going well, keep in mind, not today's Eli. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I. It's just it's going to come down to what we saw can what we saw on Sunday, and it's not going to be ten sacks, but. Can what we saw against Detroit on Sunday be replicated in really big games against really good teams in in somewhat of that form? That's what this is going to come down to. Mm-hmm. Week four against the Rams is not the Vikings. And if you go try to play like that, you're dead. Got no chance. But what they did on Sunday, if you can, if you let's, I don't know, let's say play the Patriots and sack Brady four times, something like that. But that is what they want to do. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com, covers the Vikings. She joins us next as we continue our discussion on uh, the Vikings as they go into the bye at 5-3-1. Mackie will uh, be in studio, step in studio at 4 o'clock. We are in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 
Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Join Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgat for a live taping of the Purple Podcast at Lucky's 13 Pub in Plymouth. Uh, this Thursday from 5 to 7 p.m., we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to watch the Purple take on Miami and other fantastic 1500 ESPN prizes. Lucky's 13 Pub in Plymouth this Thursday from 5 to 7 p.m. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Second down and 14. Pocket collapses again on Stafford, and he is going to pitch it. And the ball is on the ground. Minnesota scoops it up. And on his way into the end zone is Daniel Hunter. That is a touchdown. When you're watching these other teams, the offenses that you're getting ready to play, and the week before you watch their offense, and the week before that, and they're all attacking with basically the same combination of route route combinations and things, and and you see it's versus that particular style of coverage. Um, that's when it really shows up because you just, just see everybody game planning the same coverage every single week. So, um, you know, that's why we've had to change. Courtney Cronin, how many times in your year plus now covering Zim have you heard him come out and openly talk about adjustments? I thought he told you like three weeks ago, you don't get the game plan or adjustments. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's kind of nice to see a little bit of a change there because you're right when – we're talking back, you know, four or five weeks ago now when they were playing the Rams and, you know, Zimmer comes out and says this is the worst pass defense uh, that he's ever coached and he couldn't figure out at that time what was going on, but it changes, you know, he's going to look at everything is what he said. But there was never the admission that, you know, the scheme had been figured out or that teams had been copying it until really yesterday. I mean, I think he had a comfortable margin to, uh, of wins and of, time that it passed to work with there before he kind of unprompted, um, you know, came up saying what he said about his defense and other teams picking up the scheme and mentioned the Todd Gurley play on the touchdown. I mean, that was had nothing to do with the game yesterday, but it's another sign pointing to Zimmer admitting that, hey, we needed to make some changes because some teams had kind of figured out what we were doing and implemented it into their own scheme. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it made it tougher for us the first four weeks of the season because teams I already knew what we were going to do. Do you agree with me that that Detroit's not good, and, and so you're obviously not going to continue to get 10 sacks per game, but do you agree with me that if if Zim was being truthful, that what we saw yesterday was the blueprint? Because the Rams shootout in no way, shape, or form is this team. But your defense plays well. Your offense might make a mistake or two, but it doesn't make a lot and and you need your offense to be reliable and efficient, and your defense can be great. I think that what we saw on Sunday is the absolute Mike Zimmer blueprint for a very happy bye week. Yeah, I mean, that's the way that he expects them to win games, where, you know, that's just kind of become the norm, and you can't fault him for that because he's had, you know, a bajillion quarterbacks since he got to Minneapolis. Like, that's just the way that it's been where when the quarterback play has been so inconsistent and up and down, really good sometimes, really bad other times in 2014, that you've had to rely on your defense to win you games and come through with big stops if there's a you know critical red zone turnover, if there's a late, you know, a late change of uh, change of momentum that goes in favor of the other team, you've had to, you've had to rely on his defense. 
Um, so I think you are right that that is the blueprint. I mean, we, we definitely won't see Penn Stocks become a regular thing. I mean, the fact that they were, you know, they come into this game, Staff, Stafford's offensive line had given up 13 sacks throughout the first eight weeks of the season. I think he was pressured on just 20% of his drop-off, and then he gets pressured on 35% against the Vikings, and a lot of that coming through a standard four-man or fewer pass rush, that's just as much the scheme uh, as it is the defensive linemen that were executing it. You finally have a rotation going where you're getting actual contributions from the guys that go in and affect the game when Neil Hunter needs a blow or when Everson Griffin needs to come out of Lindell Joseph, Sheldon Richardson, the whole gamut. Um, that's how they're going to win games. And I was listening you know, to you before the break. I mean, I, I do agree with you with what your assessment of Cousins, that he doesn't need to be perfect given the pieces that are around him. Uh, especially when it comes to the fact that they might have to go play a road playoff game in January. He doesn't need to be perfect if his supporting cast, including the defense, is playing the level it is. Courtney, how much has the return of Everson Griffin just given this defense a boost to? I mean, they were they were starting to play well before he came back, but just getting him back in the lineup, it, it seems like it's really sort of ignited the other guys on the field for them. Yeah, I mean, right before he left, I mean, or right before he you know, took his five five-week leave of absence away from the team, they were pressuring the quarterback uh, at a much higher rate in you know, those first two weeks of the season than you saw weeks three through, what was it, three, three through seven. Um, it's a direct correlation of, you know, you lose your best player on defense, which, I mean, now we can argue it's Daniil Hunter, it's, you know, Everson Griffin, it's Harrison Smith. I mean, there's so many different guys that come into the mix there, but, you know, by and large, the last few years, Everson Griffin has been the heart and soul of that defense and especially what they're doing up front with the pass rush now that you have him back in there i think that it's almost kind of a rejuvenated sense of of what griffin's doing that you know even before uh when the season started weeks one and two it just he looks completely different and it didn't really take him that long to shake off the rust i don't think he was great against the saints i don't think he was bad i know that you know collar and i have disagreed on uh on that aspect of it but, um, you know, I think he looked really good yesterday, you know, being able to constantly, you know, get into the backfield. I mean, I think he had, you know, when you take a look at where the, the differentiation and, and kind of spreading the wealth along the defensive line in terms of sacks, I mean, he didn't have the sack numbers that Neil Hunter had, but he still affected the game with hits, hurries, and pressures. Football! Football, yeah! yeah! Because we all because we all love to break the sport down, do you agree with my assessment that Dalvin Cook's return to the offense is absolutely instrumental because it opens up pages of the playbook that simply aren't there if Dalvin's not there? Yes and no. And, and the, I'll start with the yes part because yes. what you saw yesterday, the fork, is they were not going to get creative with him in the past game just because I don't think he can. When a guy like that, you know, the injury is burned. Dalvin has burned the coaching staff so many times. John Filippo talked about this in weeks past, where it makes it a little tougher when you have to game plan for somebody like that, uh, and then all of a sudden he can't go at the last minute. So you have to get creative, and I just don't think they were going to get very creative in the run game. So that's why you saw the screen passes. That's just really as much of his involvement uh, in the past game as it was. But when you can... When you can get him healthy and when he's consistently playing, you start to see more design pass plays for Dalvin Cook. He was in the slot once yesterday, um, and I think that you'll start to see more of that. 
Now, in terms of how explosive they can be going forward, I mean, that's not just relying on Dalvin Cook. That's the offensive line. I like the combination that they had yesterday. I think Brian O'Neill at right tackle is going to stick going forward. But you go back to week four in L.A., I mean, he was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage just about every time he touched the ball. So there have been changes the way that they've decided to protect with the offensive line, bringing in extra blockers that make it, that should make Cook's job a little easier going forward. But I still think a lot of his production and what we expect going forward is going to be based on how the offensive line plays down the stretch. Courtney, I told Judd in the first segment today about how I think this buy is is happening at probably the best possible time you can ask a buy to come around because they do have some guys that are banged up. I mean, obviously, Stephon Diggs didn't play yesterday. He's got the rib thing. And it seems like if they can get him another week of, you know, not having to play a game and none of them are going to play a game next week, obviously. Because, you know, I look at with Diggs being out of the lineup yesterday and, and obviously getting Cook back in helped, but you saw what that did to Adam Thielen yesterday because then the Lions turned all of their attention to Adam Thielen and tried to basically neutralize him as much as they could. Now he's still got a touchdown and everything, but... Getting getting Diggs back and healthy is only going to help this team going forward, too. Yeah, I mean, I think that those two play off each other really well, and what you saw was what exactly what they expected, that your one receiver's down to your 1A, or however you want to define it. I mean, they have the best receiving tandem, uh, by and large, in the NFL, that if one of them's down, the other one's going to get doubled. And I know the argument now because he was contained four catches for 22 yards or whatever, people are going to say, oh, well, see, that's why he was able to get 100 yards receiving for eight straight games and, and tie the record or set the record for games starting with that and tie Calvin Johnson's streak of it happening at any point in the season. I don't know if I really buy that. I think that they complement each other in a lot of different ways and that Thielen still uh, can be effective. And that impact, I mean, yeah, the streak's over for now, but his impact and what he's going to do in the rest of the offense uh, for the rest of the season is certainly not. I mean, there's they can get a lot more creative, too. I mean, you've seen some of the you know plays where he's at the line of scrimmage, even some of the design runs for him yesterday. I think Adam Thielen is quite possibly the most important part of this game plan because you haven't had a guy like Dalvin Cook, who they anticipated months ago, being a guy that you draw everything around, and that's what you were going to do with the play-action game and you know the run generating everything that they were going to do in the passing game. It's completely opposite now, um, and Adam Thielen's a big part of that. All right, my friend. We're going to wrap with the Cronin Conspiracy Theory of the Week. You promised me in the press box you'd have one. What is your oh. con- What's your Cronin that Zolgadian approved conspiracy theory for this week? What's going on with George Iloka? I mean, it's just, you know, I've been asked this question a bunch on Twitter today, and I've pondered it, and I went back and looked at his numbers. I mean, he was awesome. He's player of the game uh, in the secondary against the Cardinals and then played really great against the Jets. That 44-yard catch to Michael Thomas that was given up, I mean, there was a miscommunication there between Iloka and Harrison Smith. I don't think it was all on Iloka. And then he doesn't play on defense yesterday. I This one's weird to me, Judd, because they bring this guy in, they sign him um, after the whole, you know, he gets cut for having a big contract with the Bengals. I mean, this is a guy that Mike Zimmer drafted. Iloka was a five-year starter, and now he's not even being able to get on the field and play defense. I, I've confirmed he's not hurt. There's no lingering injury that he's dealing with. So this really boils down to 
one of two things, that either he can't pick up the playbook, um, which you saw against the Cardinals and the Jets, he did pretty darn well, or it's something bigger than that. Or, you know, because I know Zimmer, when I asked him about it week four, why Aloka hadn't played at that point yet, said, well, there's some other safeties that he likes in, in some of the looks that he gets in coverage. But this one, I mean, it's been, they're more than halfway through the season, and Iloka has barely played uh, outside of two games. I mean, that to me, you know, I, I could see Judd putting the, uh, his uh, thinking cap on and trying to d- dive deep into this one. I'm so proud of you right now. I'm tearing up. No, I just, I do it for you. That was I do it awesome. for you. I bring it for you every time. That was so good because you're so right. I know. You're so I mean, right. Is, it makes no sense to me. It's just it's one of those where it's kind of the outlier. The defense is playing so well, but a guy that you you know, I mean, props to Anthony Harris. He's fantastic. He played the entire game sure. yesterday at five tackles, but this one doesn't make sense to me. See you tomorrow. Bye, Courtney. Bye, guys. All right. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com. Check out her work as she covers the Vikings. She will be in for the football hour tomorrow from 5 to 6, and then uh, the Purple Hour from 6 to 7 uh, will be hosted by uh, Courtney and Matthew Collar. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to discuss a change that was, well, long overdue. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check out your traffic and uh, let's go up to Moundsview. We've got a crash uh, on 35W northbound. Uh, it's about an extra three minutes on your commute, and that's because uh, the crash is between uh, US 10 and Ramsey County Road I. So. Be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, uh, everything else moving smoothly, Judd. Thank you, sir. Watch out right here. Reggie Corbin. Across the 50, Reggie Corbin. He's been doing this all season long. Touchdown, Illinois. 72 yards. Another play action throw and a completion. And Ricky Smalling is off to the races. Gets by Jacob Those weren't all the same plays. <laughs> the Minnesota Golden Gophers gave up 55 points in a 53-31 loss at Illinois on Saturday in what is, I believe, and Chip Scoggins, who's covered this program for a long time, did not debate me, a top-five embarrassment loss. It's not a meltdown. It's not It's not Wisconsin, not Michigan. Top-five embarrassment. I go back to, I hearken back to the Iowa game I was covering the Vikings with Chip in Jacksonville during this game. Saturday night game, oh, Brewster wait. in the Metro against Iowa. The last game at the Metrodome. Yeah, the, for, that's for the that's this. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we mercifully were informed last night that Rob Smith, defensive coordinator for the Golden Gophers, has been, I love, I think they put relieved of his duties or some BS. He was fired. Joe Rossi, interim defensive coordinator for the rest of the season, and you might say to yourself, Rob Smith, I mean, come on, he's fired. I did some numbers crunching today. <laughs> Big 10 games, six of them. Mm-hmm. One win. Gophers, 259 points against, 43.2 per game. Oh. Six games, 3,046 yards against, 
507.7 yards per game. It's bad enough, right? Except I'm about to tell you something that makes it far worse. There's a team in the Big Ten, it's the same team, that is statistically below you in both of the categories I just read. It's Illinois. Who put up 55 points on you. You want to know what's amazing, too? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the lowest defensive, the lowest total in terms of points allowed in a game in in Big Ten play mm-hmm. is Ohio State. I think Ohio State's, what, scored 30? 30 to 14, I think that score was. Oh, I've got all scores right here. Do you want them points against? Yeah. 42. That's Maryland. 48. That was uh, Iowa. 30. Ohio State. 53. Nebraska. 31. Indiana. And 55. Illinois. Uh, But the Indiana game, there's an asterisk there because they only had nine points till the fourth quarter. I did some more numbers crunching today. If you go back to the last two Big Ten losses of last season, the last two games, 2017, the Gophers were shut out 39-0 at Northwestern and then returned home against the Badgers to lose 31-0. Explosive plays in football are usually, I believe, described by most people, and I don't think there's an exact formula here, but I believe that when I covered the Vikings, Childress told me they considered it to be 20 yards or more to get an explosive, what they called an explosive play. Mm Mm-hmm. So I sat down today, and I did not crunch every play the Gophers have given up. I only crunched Big Ten touchdowns against. And I refigured this, Manny Hill. I refigured this to be more fair to the Gophers. And I called explosive plays 40 yards or more. 40 or more yards for touchdowns only. Care to take a guess at how many touchdowns Maryland, Iowa, Ohio State, Nebraska, Indiana, Illinois. Care to take a guess at how many touchdowns of 40 or more yards have been scored against? This is six Big Ten Now fired Rob Smith's uh, defense. This is six Big Ten Maryland, Iowa, Ohio State, Nebraska, Indiana, Illinois. You are one and five in the conference. I'm going to say 12 touchdowns. Of 40 or more yards? Mm -hmm. You're close. It's 13. Oh, my God. Let me give you, just real quickly here, let me run through. I mean, if you ever want to know why someone needs to be fired during the course of a season. Hang on a second. Do you know how much I was hoping that it was actually going to be less than 12? I guess 12, like, being, like, extreme. Like, hoping that, oh, yeah, it's not it's not that many. Maryland. I'm going to give you the, I'm just going to give you the touchdowns, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, the explosive touchdowns. Maryland had touchdowns, 26-yard run, 81-yard run. 54-yard pass, 64-yard run, 21-yard run. I believe Maryland did not have a play in the red zone. I think if you go back, (laughs) they're zero for zero from the red zone because they scored so many cotton-picking long touchdowns. Iowa had a 60-yard pass. Ohio State had a 41-yarder, a 36-yarder, and a 27-yarder. Nebraska, which is awful, 40, 59-yard runs for touchdowns, 35-yard pass. Indiana, 43-yard pass. 67-yard pass as well. Illinois on Saturday. 72-yard run, 72-yard run, 67-yard pass, 30-yard pass, 77-yard run. Illinois. Illinois got awful. And it's unfortunate because I actually really like the direction that this team is going in offensively. Oh, so do I. That's why I... I like the quarterbacks. Yes. I like I like Morgan maybe a little bit more than Anikstead, but I still like, I'm still high on Zach Anikstead. But this is why I kept telling Phil two weeks ago, you yeah. can't you can't allow this defensively because I do think the offense wasn't 
fantastic on Saturday. But yeah, yeah and they I'm, made mistakes I'm too. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, so before we get Phil in studio, your uh, your latest Mackie and Judd poll that's been posted on our Twitter account. How long should PJ Fleck be given? Two years, three years, four years, or that eight year plan that Phil talked about a couple weeks ago. Get on there, 1500 ESPN's uh, Twitter poll. And vote more after this. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. I'm. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.